Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Garage Exchange, a recovery podcast. My name is Ashley Lowe Blasting Game, and I am your auctioneer. I am here with Christiana Kimmick. Hello. And she does not have corona. <laughs> no, it's definitely not a throat tickle or anything like that. It's just, you know, we're walking our dog in the rain. So. <laughs> that gives you the... Gives you a cough. Gives me a little sniffle. I heard that Corona beer, I haven't fact-checked this, but I heard that Corona beer is no longer selling Corona on the market right now. Really? Yeah, that's what I heard. Hold on. Let's fact-check. Let's fact-check it while we're on here. Not selling. I know Corona. (coughs) Corona beer takes a hit. Okay, yeah. I know they took a hit, but... Why do people... Why, though? Because... It reminds them of of Corona. That's so interesting. That's one word for it. Oh, here we go. Corona beer stops production because of the coronavirus pandemic. Oh, actually stopped production. Correct. Wow. Okay. Well, then there you go. I wonder how long that's going to last for. Time to go to Tecate. <laughs> oh. There's no Tecate virus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can I just tell you, I would have some, I would have like just saying this is my alcoholism or my entrepreneurialism, either way or the combination. If I were drinking, I would find a way to go buy up for cheap as much Corona beer as humanly possible. And put it where? In my mouth. I guess the difference. Oh, <laughs> uh, where else am I going to? Thinking, I'm thinking, where are you going to stock it? And you're like, <laughs> From personal experience, I'm not super good at the uh, at the save piece. You really could have used me in your drinking days. Yeah. <laughs> Following you-, you around. Ashley, we should put this over here. Where are you going to put it? Where, where, where most people put it, I think. Down my esophagus. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was planning to ingest it. <laughs> As quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you'd, I'd, I guess to answer your more literal question, the garage. Okay. <laughs> All right. So like a stockpile. And since yeah. it's like, it's yeah. pro- I wonder if it went on sale. Your, your TP is my Corona beer. Oh, I get it. Oh, man. I went nuts whenever TP was out. I was like, Mm-mm, no, I am not buying a bidet. I need my TP. And I was first in line. Did I share this already? No, I do. I got to tell you guys, I'm going to say it. I do not understand. Like I get it at this point because no, there's, (laughs) there are no paper products, but like it's a respiratory virus. It's not like, this isn't the norovirus where, you know, (laughs) your, your insides are coming out your butthole all day. Like I don't understand why that was the first thing people went for. I don't understand it either, but I'm loving all the memes that are going around that are like a parent and they're like, eat your dinner. And it's got like a child with a bowl of soup, but it's got a toilet paper roll in it. I saw one where the guy was taking squares of toilet paper and paying his bills, putting it in the envelope (laughs) to pay his bills. (laughs) So that meme was was kind of alluding to the fact that people are buying buying toilet paper like oh food. instead of got it okay right like like as like a priority and so yeah there's just this meme well I'll have to look it up and see if we can share it on the podcast website it's a woman trying to get her son to eat toilet paper for dinner oh my god we um right when I saw so I have a friend who was following this epidemic 
in December and then into January. And he was telling me, Ash, this is going to be a thing. This is going to be a thing. And, and, um, this is what's going to happen. And he was like, play by play. It wasn't that I didn't believe him, but I wasn't, I certainly didn't think it was going to get to this, but I also was like, I have no idea. So I bought up a bunch of stuff, a bunch of toilet paper, a bunch of laundry detergent, a bunch of, cause he said those things were going to sell out. Wow. Yeah. He's either a psychic or has some insider information. And either way, I was like, whatever, just going to, I mean, no downside to me to buy. So we haven't had, we're out of paper towel, but that's no big deal. Costco has paper towels. They no, were they, like handing no. them out as they don't anymore. Not unless you arrive right when the shipment comes. Cause I just went to Costco. Oh, okay. So that's like first thing in the morning. Right when they arrive, right when the truck arrives, people are waiting. Yeah. That's what happened with me and the toilet paper. Everyone scattered for the food can and you, I sniffed out the paper products. Can you imagine like people from many, many years, hundreds of years ago where there was food scarcity and you're like, there's going to be a mass epidemic. It's going to be a plague and it's going to take out all these people, but there will not be food scarcity. So people will wait in line for paper to wipe their butts. <laughs> <laughs> But, but what but what about feeding their children? No, that will not be the concern. <laughs> it will be paper to wipe their butts. Except for the first week whenever I was at the grocery store and people oh, were running yeah, that's true. On each other over. That was a very interesting experience. Oh. But you know, it, it was what I saw conversely with that too was like there were so many people that were being so helpful. Like I'm super tall and I've got really long arms. And there's this cute little shorter elderly lady who was trying to reach for peanut butter. And I was like, ma'am, can I get some for you? And so I'm reaching the top shelves and people realize the tall girl is reaching for things on the top shelf that we can't reach. So I'm reaching for all this stuff for all these other people. And there were people that went and found something for me too, or they're like, oh, if you want, you know, frozen food, things that are closer to the ground, things that are closer to the ground. (laughs) It's harder for me to get down. The giraffe cannot reach the stuff on the (laughs) bottom levels. We must get her. We must help her long arms and legs. (laughs) When I went, it was, it was 2 PM in the middle of a work day and it was practically empty, but I wore this ridiculous like mask and then this welding plastic welding face mask and with goggles and no one blinked an eye. Seriously, no one gave me a weird, like I walked up to some of the people, started talking to them. Had it not been oppressively hot inside my tactical gear, I would not have remembered that I was wearing it because no one gave me a second look. It was like it's because it's because you looking like a welder were much less scary than the people wearing the bane masks and the cops and robber masks with only the eye holes. That's terrifying. I'm not making fun of anyone for doing that. I understand. I really do understand if if wearing a mask is important to you, then do that. I think it's important to cover up. It's important to you might want to wear safe. a sign that says like I'm not gonna rob I'm you. I'm not about to pull a gun on you. It's this was all like it yeah. legit looks like somebody is about to rob the place yeah. or they've walked out of a sci-fi and they're the villain. Well, you, we, you, I feel like I'm in a sci-fi. It kind of feels that way. Although there is kind of a wonder that my husband and I have been like noticing people. So we haven't been able to find masks. So we're ordering a cloth one um, that people are like, you know, making at home, which I think is super cool. Going out without a mask, there are a lot of people with masks that 
have been like getting really close to us. And we're like, hmm, like, is the mask an invisible protectant shield for you that yes. you know, negates the six foot social distancing rule? <laughs> like, we're like, oh, excuse. And like, I'm like really kind to people. We're like, oh, excuse me. Excuse me. I'm trying to get out of everybody's way, you know, just trying to be thoughtful. It's like, I, if, if you're going to walk at me with your mask, I mean, I guess there's nothing I can do about it. But to be perfectly honest with you, I was in the grocery store and completely forgot about the six feet thing, was just so focused. <laughs> I, I I legit bumped into people probably because it was so hot in my <laughs> my mask. I was like, I can't, having heat stroke. I can't breathe. It's so sweaty in here. But yeah, I mean, I, I honestly forgot that because it's so counterintuitive. Yeah, that's true. It's taken me a really long time to not automatically go and pet every dog that I see. That's been the hardest thing for me. I can talk to people on the phone. I can talk to people on Zoom or across the street. Keeping me away from other animals is very difficult. That's been the hardest adjustment. I haven't gone out outside enough for that to be a problem. We are walking our dog every day. We live in like a place that has a lot of parks, a lot of like open trails, and there's lots of room for social distancing. And it's just the way that we're keeping up well with our exercise, but also just getting outside and breathing fresh air for mental sanity. So, and then we have a hyperactive dog. So if we don't, then we pay for it inside. Yeah, true. I have that, that issue with my children. (laughs) Your children put my dog to shame with Mm -hmm. the hyperactivity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've been seeing all your posts between your mask and these kids climbing things and getting it. Oh gosh. I don't even know. Shout out to all the parents out there who are doing this, who are homeschooling their kids, who are stuck inside with their kiddos. I'm about to socially distance myself. (laughs) She's she's about to go lick a cart. It's not abandonment. It's social distancing. (laughs) Oh my God. My Graham, I I think I mentioned her on the last after the, or the the COVID-19 episode that we did. I called her and I was like, Graham's reminder, you can't, please don't go to Costco. It's just, it's not, you know, don't go to grocery shopping. So she's been allowing people to grocery shop for her. So she's starting to get like, she listens to the news constantly, despite what I tell her. And she's, she calls each one of us grandkids on on the weekly basis. And she goes, please tell me what you are doing. She has like a cute little accent. What are you doing to stay safe? Tell me the steps. And like, we have to tell her the steps. So I'm like, okay, well, step one. Admitted I I was powerless. (laughs) I told her, I go, well, step one, I go outside. Step two, I grab the dirtiest cart handle that I can and I lick it. And then step three, I go to somebody else who seems like they're coughing and I suck in the air right in front of them and go, (laughs) she's, she's mortified. What? Is this what you are doing? (laughs) No, (laughs) no, it's not. We're we're being safe, Grams. It's okay. (laughs) Are you wearing masks, Graham? I can't find masks. We have to order some cloth ones. Why do you not have a mask? Well, had to go to the healthcare workers first, Grams. We didn't get them in time, but you know they had to go to the healthcare workers first because that they're on the front lines of it. You should have a mask. Okay, I'll go steal one from a healthcare worker. Will that make you feel better? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. It's the the phone calls that are the best are the ones like this where you're like, well, let me explain. <laughs> like my mother, who I had to talk her into quote unquote postponing her trip to visit her 86 year old father went to fly from San Francisco 
to Tampa. And this was a month ago, less than a month ago. I'm like, mother, it was like having a defiant teenager, except a teenager you are in charge of and you share resources. So you have some leverage. So naturally I had no leverage except her grandchildren and I used it. Oh, you use that snap. I said, mom, you you remember when Abraham took his son? (laughs) (laughs) I want to hear this now. Please continue. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's not what I said. I said, mother, how am I going to explain to your grandchildren that you decided to not only kill yourself, but also their only living great grandparent because you wanted to go to Florida? She's like, that's not what's happening. I was like, well, that's what I'm going to tell them. Oh, and then she listened. So no, she definitely didn't listen. She didn't listen. Oh, no. Hillary. No, it took a little bit longer. Took a few more. Took my other sister, and then, and then the best part, which was the uh, the full circle, was that she asked me if I was talking to my grandfather, her father, and she said, "Hey, uh, this was by the time she realized this was like a real thing," and blah blah blah. She right. said, "Hey, when you talk to your grandfather." Will you mention that story that you told me about the dangers of COVID? Because he's still <laughs> going out to the grocery store and not using delivery grocery services. And I was like, oh, are you feeling frustration that, <laughs> that your parent is not taking their health and the health of their loved ones? Seriously? Seriously? That, must, oh my God. that must be so difficult. Naturally, I got zero response to that, (laughs) but I had my moment. You're like, I told you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to just pretend that I saw your face. Oh, mom. I know. Don't you love when you have to parent your parents? I've had those moments too. And I'm like, mom. Well, it was calm down. Go inside. It's only been a few things that are quite that like where they're, they're being irrational and defiant because they don't want to be told what to do. Like we've had things where we fundamentally disagreed and I could see both arguments, but this was one of the few where it was like, okay, you do realize that you're not like showing me. <laughs> like you do really, right. like it was, and, and I know a lot of people who have had the same issues with their parents where they're like, you're not going to tell me what to do. A lot of people. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Regarding Corona, like, you're not going to, like, I am not going to be told what to do. Blah, 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 blah. You're not going to take wow. away my freedom. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is happening? There's memes about it that are people are like, and there was a whole, um, like a funny spoof on it about, you know, an adult son and, and the, the, his, his father was storming into the house. Like, you're not going to tell me what to do. And, and the son is like, dad, you need to go to your room right now and think about what has being done to this planet, you know, and just (laughs) the switch that sometimes needs to happen this special times. Yeah. I'm going to be excited whenever we get to stop talking about COVID-19 all the time. Yeah, me too. We still have those, uh, COVID free COVID anxiety groups, on the Lion Rock Recovery website. And they, I think there's like two or three of them a day. There are. I think the only day that we don't have them going right now is Tuesdays, but we've got multiple ones. Monday, Mondays? Mondays. It's also like Munster Cheese, but it's Mondays. Oh God, Munster Cheese does not do well for my tummy. Mondays. Mondays. Sustest. Sustest. 
Entristes. Entristes. Um, they're phenomenal. And reminder, you do not have to be a part of Lion Rock, be in therapy. Um, it's not substance abuse related, purely uh, COVID-19 anxiety support group. So if you are struggling with COVID-19, anyone is welcome. And all you need to do is go to our, uh, go to the Lion Rock Recovery website. We'll have it on the show notes. Uh, LionRockRecovery.com at the top of the page. There's a banner, uh, and it's an orange banner, I believe. And you click on that, and it'll take you to the link to join. You don't even need to sign up beforehand. You can just join in. First 50 people, I think. Yeah, they they, they cut it off after 50, and then you can join a different one. Yeah, kind of transitioning out of COVID, which is all everyone's talking about. But I think it's good to be able to chat about it because it's literally what's going on in our country and across the world right now. We are going back to our old format. <laughs> for the podcast, which is the guest interviews are going to be every Tuesday and our after the episodes are going to be every other Thursday. I was trying to change it so that we could have less recordings to do, therefore opening our time up a little bit more. And I just don't think we can get away from the format. We seem to get a lot of positive feedback from it. And we really like being able to put out this content for you regularly. It's been actually a little difficult to not put this out regularly for you with the after the episode. So this is the first after the episode that we are implementing where we'll be reviewing two episodes at a time. (laughs) Ashley's giving me the, I told you so face. She's been telling me since the beginning, she's like, Nope, we got to do this. This is where it's going. And I was like, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. No, this'll work. It'll work. We've got plenty of resources and time and hey I, I i let you try i really do you just sit there she literally turned to me when was this this is when we were in the office so this is before the all the lockdowns and stuff were happening and she looks at me and she goes you're gonna hate me and i was like oh i could never hate you no what are you saying and she's she's like i think we need to go back to our old format and i like stopped for a second she was like and I started yeah thinking i hate about, you. Like, the production schedule, all of a sudden the whole production schedule starts flying through my head and like, it's going to be like literally three more episodes a month than normal. And I was like, you're right. I think I might hate you now. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> but she was right. She was right. We're going to go back to it. And we're really excited to be able to do it after I, I semi-panicked wondering, can we, can we uphold all of this with everything that we're doing? But we can, and we want to, and we will. So we're here. This is episode 43. We are discussing Bambi Brown, episode 41, and Renee Siegel, episode 42. Both really neat, insightful episodes, different than we've ever had before. Yes. I was listening to, I was listening to Renee Siegel and just, I just, I, there's something about her that's so calming and just like almost like a meditation podcast just listening to her i don't know maybe that's maybe that's just me but she was such an interesting person to interview and her story was really incredible and all the work that she's done and i think that there was a lot in her story that talked about intergenerational trauma, which is something I'm always fascinated with, because whether or not you know what that is, you hear, you know, someone who grows up in an alcoholic home with an alcoholic parent, they 
you know, we call that an adult child of an alcoholic and there's an actual program for that support group for that because it has very real effects on children coming out of that home. And those effects shape them, which shape their children, right? And I just think it's so fascinating. And then to listen to the gambling addiction piece, and and that was just unimaginable. And I just can't, I just can't even imagine what that's like. And and just the, it was interesting how she talked about how gambling addiction, of how many people, the ripple effect that happens with it. That's, that was probably the most interesting thing. Cause that was something that I didn't know a whole lot about. I had never spoken with someone who had been through that. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to episode 42 with Renee Siegel, we highly recommend you do so. It is a very informative episode. Renee is a licensed counselor. And so she, like Ashley was saying, she has that effect when she's speaking. It's very calming, uh, very easy to listen to, easy to understand the way she breaks things down and tells her story. She's been through a couple different traumas. She uh, has a, a father who... Um, he was a, a drug addict. He would basically use the family's names. A drug um, addict. <laughs> Sorry. It sounds so horrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was on prescription pills. And so he was a, what, what was he? He was a, he was a dentist. He was a dentist. He was a dentist. That's and right. He, he was first generation American from Eastern Europe. They were Eastern European Jews. And he was a dentist and and he was a rageaholic. And it was interesting. She talked about how his rage was, she thought she, that, you know, he had a significant problem with rage and that that was it. And that the fact that he was using prescription pills, you know, in that time, only recently have we been able to get away from this idea and even still not so much that there's a huge difference between street drugs and prescription drugs. That's very true. And he wrote prescriptions in all of his family members' names. He was a dentist, so he was able to write prescriptions. And she found that out much later, that that was that he had a significant problem with benzodiazepines and that the rage was a component of that. And she said something, I was listening to it, and she said something like he was buried with his rage or he was he he was buried with his anger. Like he never resolved that. And I just thought like that's something that I experienced so, you know, in my using and, in, and frankly before my using even just a lot of rage. And I learned later in my recovery that basically human neurobiology rewards anger, that anger feels good and it overrides other moral and rational breaks in the brain because it originates, it's from the limbic system, which is that reptilian brain, which I've talked about before, which um, that's the center of our autonomic functions and emotions like fear desire, breathing, and it is the most direct link to our fight or flight response system. So it includes control over things like adrenaline rushes, alertness, and other instincts that prime you for a tiger chasing you, not in Tiger King or a battle. And it can be a rush that's similar to thrill-seeking activities. So there, it, it gives you a dopamine 
dump a, a reward, almost like um, they liken it to extreme sports or cocaine or amphetamine. So anger can be its own reward system. And I think that there's also in families, there's anger can be a method of emotional avoidance because if it's the biggest emotion in the room, no one out, there's no room for anyone else to have an emotion. There's no room for other people to talk about that. You know, there's just, it's, it fills a room. I mean, it's anger and rage in particular are very heavy room filling emotions. And I would suspect that there are many children who grow up thinking that my mom or dad has a rage problem. And it turns out that there's, there's addiction involved in that. And, um, you know, she did not find that out till many, many years later. And she talked about the, I really enjoyed hearing about the cultural aspects of growing up with parents who are immigrants or first generation, because my friends who are in that are having that experience there's things that are very similar in their stories. And I actually sent the recording to a friend of mine who has has things that are similar. And it's really interesting. I, I didn't notice it until she started talking about it, how similar the things were, things that we don't talk about, cultural ideas about things that even though the person knows is not, it's not part of, even though the 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 American, you know, the child, whatever, they, that it's no longer part of their belief system. It's still been ingrained in them from that culture. And so they almost have this internal battle of what they believe and what they were taught culturally and the two things. So even as an adult, not living at home, there's still that internal battle for them, which I thought, which I really heard. And then the next piece was that anger led her to find someone who was to marry a man who was gay, who was not interested, you know, who was just basically uninterested in her at that level. Um, that though her basically her experiences led her to this place of finding a man who was able to meet her needs, but in an entirely different way than her father and her mother. I think she'd mentioned that her her dad was a womanizer, if I'm remembering correctly. That's right. That's right. Yes. And thank so you for reminding she, me. She wanted, she was very much attracted to this man who was calm. Mm-hmm. He was very sweet. Um, he took really good care of her, provided a safe home for her. Oh, sounds um, horrible. <laughs> right? <laughs> I know. Why would you seek that out in a partner? So, I mean, <laughs> she was seeking out really good things, right? And I think that's the tendency. I mean, that was... It's Something funny that, that I, that's associated with the game. <laughs> We're like, know. she wanted love and kindness and to be respected. So she married a gay man. <laughs> Which she didn't know. If you haven't heard the story, she did not know he was gay. That that ended up coming out. She ended up finding out after she had had two children with him, I believe, and found out in like a really, really kind of devastating way. She had found out after he'd been having an affair essentially with another man and overheard it on the phone. And so her story turned and and that was really interesting to hear that you know she was she was she had gone for a specific type of man and somehow subconsciously literally went for the complete op- opposite of her father. And then she goes through a divorce, goes through a lot of trauma surrounding that, finds another husband um, marries, marries him, seems really great. He's got a lot of money. He, she 
tells her story, tells that, that he like really wined and dined her. And she was trying to find in, in her next mate the opposite of who she had married in her first mate. And this man ended up being very much like her father. He was a womanizer. He, I don't, I don't know if she said he was unfaithful to her. I don't remember that. But he was a gambling addict and she did not know that he didn't actually, I mean, he was, a, I think she said he was a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And so he, he, it, it made sense that he would have money, right? It, it, it's not uncommon they for were a both lawyer lawyers. to have money. Both husbands. They, that's right. Both husbands were lawyers. And I mean, not only did he have a terrifying gambling addiction, but left her and her children in shambles afterwards. And I think she said quarter of a million dollars in debt. Um, well, he had put, because he was an attorney, he was able to put every single one of his debts in her name, had bought and sold companies in her name that she'd never heard of. Everything was in her name. So when she left him, she literally walked away with all all of his, all of the repercussions of his, or not all of the repercussions, but meant most of the repercussions financially of his gambling addiction. And then, and then... Then she lost her first husband, who she was very close with, to HIV AIDS. And then a year later, lost her second husband, the gambling addict, the you know, who was also the father of her other two children or one other child. At least had one child with him. Yeah. Um, and lost him. He had a heart attack uh while, you know, coming back from something gambling related. And so just like a lot of a lot of tragedy, a lot of coming back, a lot you know from really crazy situations, and but that I mean that's the like the gory part of the story. But she her resilience in getting back on her feet and finding a place to live and finding like the ability. You know, she talks about her her ability to find uh, things to do with her children for like $20 for the whole weekend and how they had a lot of fun. And there was a lot of things that she, that, that were in there that I thought were a testament to her spirit that I just, I really loved. And she, she wanted to advocate for women who had been in her situation, which around gambling, which also led her to advocate for, you know, kind of work with gamblers, which I thought was, you know, an interesting turn, right? And um, so she's done a lot of work around gambling addiction, continues to do a lot of really uh, impressive work around gambling addiction, but also has found the Enneagram, which is just fascinating and has worked that into her recovery and helping others with their recovery. And I love how she had said specifically in that episode that the Enneagram should not be used as like a one-time personality test, but she's devoted, you know, her career to studying it and really understanding and helping people understand what their types are and how that helps to understand how you react to things, what types of things you gravitate towards and using those, using that knowledge with a therapist to really understand the inner workings of your being in order to walk out recovery, like the way that works for you, if that makes sense. So specific to your reactions, your instincts, 
and your personality, which I thought was just so fascinating. But she also talks about using it as a mechanism to become more of who you want to be, not just this, not just you're a static being, but these have been the things that make up the components of your personality, but they don't have, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have, if that's not what you want to be like, that there's a path to moving in different directions, which I also, I love, you know, when people talk about the ability to transform and be something closer to what you want to be or, you know, that improvement or the idea that you're competing against yourself, that you're just trying to be a better version of you or the best version of you. It was just really empowering the way that she talked about it. And we want to definitely have her back on and do like a special Enneagram episode, you know, maybe she can do a study. She can do my Enneagram. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. You know, because Ashley's used to being an open book. <laughs> I mean, at this point, geez. <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to be employable ever again. Um, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Oh, my gosh. And then we had Bambi Brown, and that was that was really, um, that was really an incredible... I was thinking, I was doing hashtags for t- and sharing her story. And I was writing, you know, postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression. And I thought, this is postpartum sobriety. It's just sobriety, you know, it's just a part of sobriety after you have a baby, after you have children. Like it just is different, you know, and and that that's even if you don't have, I didn't have postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, but I definitely had postpartum sobriety, which is changed. It was changed for me. And her experience very much, you know, feeling like, okay, I've done all this work. I, I, you know, I know who I am. And then this massive transition. And of course, in her case, her transition wasn't ideal. You know, she didn't have the family support, that kind of stuff. So it it definitely wasn't ideal. You know, that was not my experience, but just that cellular change of who you are and how you see the world and your response to it and how that relates to your recovery. I mean, that was, that was really spot on and just, I don't know, super bummed me out that she had experiences with the medical community that people weren't willing, like she's a medical professional, she's a nurse. So she obviously believes in medical care. You know, she's, she's, you know, not someone who just decide, you know, she she has clout, so to speak, and it just made me so sad for her. The experiences that she had, where you know, someone's by bi- her child's biology didn't mix well with stuff he was given, and that no one was willing to help her with that. It just bums yeah. me, you know, that or was to listen real. to really yeah. understand and and I love how she talked about trusting her mother gut. You know, like you, she really searched for answers and did everything that she could and had to because she couldn't rely on the medical community. That was her community. And yeah. that, that and that is, was her community. It wasn't just the medical community, it was her community. Right. But I think the thing that I loved about her story, she was so raw and so honest with everything that she went through after having her son, which is her first child. And if you haven't listened to the episode, episode 41, Bambi Brown, she's amazing. Um, her first child went through a lot of like autoimmune health problems and uh, was the reason was unknown. They they really were trying to test and doctors were sending her son home. He was having strange colored diarrhea and they were, you know, saying, well, it's probably the sweet potatoes or, you know, it's stuff that it, it 
sweet potatoes, I don't have a kid. I raised my sister's sweet potatoes do not cause green diarrhea. I can definitely attest to that one. But, you know, I loved how she continued working her sobriety. She went through everything that she needs to go through. And then she has, she talks about, she just knew she needed to have a second child, even though you guys were laughing. You said that you talked about it and she said, I'll never have another child, but she just knew that there was somebody there for her, which I thought was really, that was a really neat thing to hear. And then hearing like how her daughter is just like, oh my gosh, this little joy bomb. And we got to see her. So I'm, you know, Ashley's friends with Bambi and I'm not, this is the first time I met her. We did a remote podcast and we see this little girl. Oh, and she's so perfect. She's, and I literally, I was like, that is the happiest child I've mm-hmm. ever seen. Mm-hmm. She's just waving. She's loving life. Oh she, my gosh. She's like abnormally happy. Like there are happy babies and then there's this baby. It's just ridiculous. It's, I, I don't, and, and to such a like a cynic, you know, it's just yeah. so, it's born to such a cynic. I mean, it's just so there's this um there's this photo floating around on the internet of this baby i think it was in brazil that came, they did a c section and the baby has a scowl literally on its face like it looks like an adult <laughs> man with like a scowl like they pulled him out and 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 there's this just if you find, look google like baby with born with a scowl or something and it'll come up and it's just hysterical and i looked at it and i was like oh that's bambi that's as a hundred percent Bambi. That is just, that's perfect. She could not have birthed a happier child. And uh, it's a really, it's, it's really cool. And I, you know, she has, she's been through a lot. And I remember at the time, you know, thinking like she's lost her mind, you know, what's going on. I don't know how to help her. I don't know how to support her. And that was really hard as a friend, as, you know, not knowing what to do or how to help, um, not having any experience with any of the things she was going through. So that was also another part of it. And then I just watched the fallout. I watched the fallout from her saying like, hey, my kid had uh, my, you know, I my, took my kid to his well checks and um, he got, you know, whatever shots he needed to get. And like, now he's really sick. And I just watched, like, it was the weirdest thing. It was like people were angry that she said that he got sick. It was so bizarre. It was so bizarre. I've never really seen anything like that. I mean, because with my kids, like I gave them, I don't even remember, penicillins. One of them got penicillin and <laughs> he broke out in this like horrendous rash. And like I g- gave it to him. And then like the next day he was just covered in a rash. And I called and it was like, uh, so this is what happened. They're like, okay, stop the medication. It's definitely like, what did you change? Right. And I, you know, and I remember like the same thing happening with her and it was like, you can't say that. It was so weird. It was so weird. And I know it's, you know, it's such a touchy subject, right? So nobody wants to talk about it, which is, I get, but man, like to watch it up close, to watch, to like see someone's kid, to see someone I know, who's a nurse and watch, like watch the whole thing play out. And I had no idea of anything. So I'm just watching it play out. It was pretty wild. And, and to see, you know, to see her son, I mean, it's, it's, she's done so like to see what it looks like to see a mom come back into her power too. You know, she, she's used her program and what she learned about doing the right thing, listening to her instinct, 
taking care of herself to just give her son a good, you know, like he can't eat out. He can't, um, he can't like, he can't go places, uh, a lot of places. Cause he can't eat like a ridiculous amount of foods. He, you know, he, she's tried to put him in school so many times, but he just gets like horrendous pneumonia like three, four times a year. Yeah. So, but she's found a way to, she's found a way to like make it work and found a way to see, like find the silver lining and do the right thing and stay connected. And, and it's just been a really cool thing for me to watch having, you know, much younger kids and see the process of like, okay, you just do the next indicated step. I mean, it's like, we're all going to have challenges, whether it's motherhood, our relationships, whatever it is, pets, whatever, you're going to have challenges, medical or otherwise. And you, you do the next indicated step. You ask for support, you reach out for help, you utilize your gut. You know, she talks about using her sponsor as a life raft and, um, you know, and just how that, that support worked for her. She said, you know, my sponsor didn't have to agree or know anything or any of that, but she, you know, knew how to support me and help me work my program and help me, you know, get through it and stay sober. And that was, you know, when it comes down to this, all of these things, all of these trials and tribulations for someone who has, who's an alcoholic or an addict, whatever, you know, everybody goes through this stuff. Everybody goes through medical complications. Everybody, you know, everybody goes through this stuff at some point in time. And when you, that's not abnormal. That's not, that's not unique to addicts and alcoholics. What is unique to addicts and alcoholics are their responses, which are fatal. Our responses are fatal, not our problems, not our our problems aren't unique. It's our responses that are unique, right? So we have a fatal response to normal problems. And what we heard was here were these normal life problems that happen. You know, your kid has a health issue. You don't know how, whatever the life isn't set up the way you, it needed to be whatever. And what did you do in order to make, keep your fatal response in check? And, and that's what we were able to hear. And, and, what she was able to do, even in, you know, even with feelings of isolation and and all the things that fuel disease and addiction. Yeah, absolutely. And again, if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to both of these awesome episodes, we'll put links in the show notes for you. They're just the episodes right before these 41 and 42. And we're so grateful to both Bambi and Renee for taking the time to come on. Um, I know Bambi, we recorded right before all of this happened. And then Renee, we started recording right as COVID was happening. So we're so thankful that that um, they were able to take the time and to all of our podcast guests who, despite everything that's going on, they they were really committed to coming on and 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 sharing inspiration and hope within their journey to help other people. Absolutely, we have. I'm looking to see who is. Oh, we have some really good ones. Oh, you guys, we have such good episodes lined up for you. Should we give a sneak peek of what they're going to hear? Yeah, the yeah. Next couple ones? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. We never give sneak peeks. No, we don't, but we can now. Okay. So here we go. If you are one of those amazing people who has listened to the very end of this after the episode, you now get a sneak peek into episodes. What is this? This is 43. So episodes 44 and 45, we're not going to say who it is, but 
I can say we have a semi-celebrity in the house here. Well, not in the house, <laughs> on the remote. <laughs> um, not in here. We are social distancing. <laughs> we, are, we have, yeah, we have, uh, so we got a famous soul cycle instructor who got sober and relapsed and then um, used soul cycle and spinning and exercise to become a very well-known spin instructor, which is a, it, it's an interesting story. We have uh, actually a former client of Lion Rocks who grew up in North Dakota in a super rural town, which was very interesting. She lived on a farm. Very interesting for me to hear about just how, you know, the drinking culture is very different in rural communities and what's acceptable is very different in rural communities in terms of drinking and driving and things like that. And I've heard that before. So I thought that was a really great perspective to have and get on here. And then we have another woman who's written an amazing book about her journey. And it is just, <laughs> the, it's just wild, absolutely wild. Pulled a knife on her husband, um, you know, went from growing up wealthy in Beverly Hills to being left penniless, just wild. And then we have, um, we also have a man who is going to be talking about self-injury and self-injury recovery. And that one was really, really amazing, particularly for a man who grew up with a father who was an NFL player and, you know, that machismo kind of strong. Yeah. Yeah. Strong kind of, uh, atmosphere that culture that comes along with that. And then there, uh, his family's ability to pivot and, and to acknowledge emotion and, and difficulty. And for him to talk about, um, self-injury and, and as that relates to that, we have, a woman who what who grew up in an Irish Italian family in Boston, and her journey um, through eating disorder as a dancer, and then later in life becoming this incredible coach. We have another man who has recovered and has a unique recovery story as it relates to prescription pills and psychiatric medication. You guys, we have so much good stuff coming and there's just more after that. Oh, I won't give away all of it because then you're just going to know all of our secrets. Don't give away too much, Ashley. I know. Sorry. I'm just so excited. And uh, if you our listener, and you want to know how to support us, please go rate and review. I know we say that. You probably hear that on every podcast that you hear. The reason is those ratings and reviews really matter. So it's an easy way for you to say, hey, like what you're doing. I'm going to take a minute and let you know that we like it. And it, it, it really, really helps. So if you're listening and you're like, oh, I know Ashley. She's a nice lady. And I do listen to this podcast and I'd like to support her, but I don't know how. And I don't want to call her, text her, or Facebook her, or Twitter her, or Instagram her, or email her, LinkedIn her, or LinkedIn her, or phone call her, <laughs> or smoke signal her, call. phone call her, or high five her. Phone call you today. You or, can't high five right now, Ashley. Yeah. Or give her an elbow hello. I am going to <laughs> write a review and do a rating on the podcast just to say a little hello, thank you, 
and that I'm paying attention. That would be super, super cool. And um, we've been talking about doing a listener prize. So stay tuned because there may be uh, goodies that listeners can get. You can get things. Who doesn't want things? Mm -hmm. Free things. Free stuff. Who doesn't want free stuff? Just wipe it off with Clorox wipes after receipt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or don't. Because <laughs> if you it's have a crap small children, COVID means you get to quarantine by yourself. <laughs> I keep telling, I keep telling my husband, like, listen, there may come a point where I may run naked into a hospital and just start licking the wall because <laughs> that means I'll get to quarantine by myself. Oh my god. I'm just so, kidding. I know a lot of people are suffering. That's very insensitive. But also I have small children in a small space together. We live in Southern California. So, you know, small space here. This is this is Ashley using gallows humor to release her frustration. Here's an actual text, by the way, that I had to send to my husband yesterday. He needed the office in our house to be on a client call. He's doing client video calls now. And so normally he's doing outside sales. So I'm home by myself quiet to do all of my podcasting stuff or, you know, whatever. But he's like, well, I need the office because I'm on this client call. Great. Perfect. No problem. I'm downstairs, which our office is at the end of a hallway upstairs. So you shouldn't hear anything coming from the office, even if someone's being loud. I'm sitting downstairs on a conference call as well. My text message to him, if you're going to scream and be loud, please close the office door. Like, I know that's, it sounds very mundane, but I was like having a conversation with someone yesterday and I was like, it was like, I was talking to like a kindergartner. Like if Mm -hmm. you're going to scream and be loud, Mm -hmm. I need you to please close the door and use your inside voice. (laughs) I think I've sent that same text to my husband down the, down the way he's in sales. And so the conversations are very loud and and like, you do realize that they can hear you on the phone. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yes. Just send the little nuggets uh, in. Quarantine should be interesting. It's a good time to be a a divorce attorney in America. (laughs) Okay, so I want to leave everybody with, on a high note, something super cool that I found. Since we're all on the interwebs, I want you to go to your Google machine, uh, or if you're one of those weirdos using Bing or Yahoo. (laughs) The Google machine. The Google machine. I don't even know any other search engines anymore. Sad. Okay. Anyway, not the point. Go onto your search engine and type in Step Inside the Circle by Fritzy Horstman. Okay. Step Inside the Circle. It's a video on Vimeo by Fritzy, F-R-I-T-Z-I space Horstman, H-O-R-S-T-M-A-N. And it is a video put on by the CompassionPrisonProject.org. And it is showing an experiment or a demonstration that they did inside a maximum security prison in California that is absolutely touching and just really, really amazing. And it has to do with um, healing trauma and just um, shifting the paradigm on how we incarcerate, isolate, and dehumanize the most traumatized members of our society. And it will not make you feel like we shouldn't incarcerate anyone or people shouldn't be punished for their crimes or any of that drama. It's not political. It is just a really beautiful demonstration of 
shame elimination and I'm telling you too much information. So just Google it. Step (laughs) inside the circle on Vimeo. Check it out. And we'll put a link to that in our show notes as well. Sounds good. All right. Stay safe out there, everybody. And uh, you can email us at podcast at linerockrecovery.com. You can find us on Instagram, Courage to Change underscore podcast. I think we have a Facebook page, the Courage to Change a Recovery podcast. And mm-hmm. what am I missing? We have our podcast website at uh, Line Rock Recovery backslash podcast. Um, put new our new episodes up there. Uh, we're going to start putting more resources up there for you. Just launched a new website. Check it out. And COVID-19 groups, join them. Be a part of it. Don't oh, isolate. I just got a an update. We currently, this is actually important. We currently have a couple of, of COVID-19 anxiety groups that are only for healthcare workers, like nurses, first responders. Yes. So healthcare providers only. So that might be a really, really great resource for people. So please go on to the the Lion Rock Recovery website and check out support groups around COVID that are for healthcare providers only. Thank awesome. you. And thank you to all of the healthcare workers. We appreciate you so much. Very much. We appreciate you so much. We know you're putting your lives on the line every day. So thank you profusely for everything that you do. Yes. Thank you. And we will see you guys next Tuesday for another awesome episode. And we'll see you in a couple of Thursdays for another after the episode. Yay! Much to Christiana's chagrin. (laughs) All right, guys. Stay safe. Bye. This podcast is sponsored by Lion Rock Recovery. Lion Rock provides online substance abuse counseling where clients can get help from the privacy of their own home. They are accredited by the Joint Commission and sessions are private, affordable, and user-friendly. Call their free helpline at 800-258-6550 or visit www.lionrockrecovery.com for more information.